This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bible with me, if you would. We're going to go to Matthew 28 to start. You know, we've spent this week just enjoying one another and enjoying the Lord. But we're in a Faith Promise Missions Conference, and uh, some of most of the emphasis up to this point that I've placed has been on giving, uh, what Faith Promise is, and the opportunity that we have to reach a lost world. I want to, for a few moments tonight, speak and, and ask God to touch the hearts of those who may be tender, and maybe God is doing something in their heart about becoming a missionary, about going to a mission field. And uh, I can't call you and wouldn't want to call you to a mission field. Only God can do that. But, you know, if God is going to call people, if God is going to separate out people to go and do his work, I would suggest to you it's places like this that he's going to get them. And so I just want you to listen along, allow God to minister to your heart. In the places, or many of the places, that God um, gives the Great Commission, in those places he also puts a promise, a reassuring promise to those who will answer that call and go to that mission field for him. So let's begin. Again, we're going to do a little bit of a sword drill, but let's start in Matthew 28. I know it's very, very familiar, but let's read it. Verse 19. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And now watch this. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for these few minutes that you've given us tonight. And Lord, I know that minds are tired and bodies are tired and I pray that for these few moments, we would just be able to focus on what you say to us. Lord, this is my request. I I know that people's hearts have been stirred this week. And perhaps you are doing a work in some hearts tonight. And Lord, they're fearful of responding to you. Would you speak to them and remind them that your call brings with it your enabling? And Lord, I just ask that there would be a willingness in our lives to be willing to surrender to your purpose and plan for our lives. Help us to see it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The portion of the scripture that I just read to you is what we often refer to as the Great Commission. And when we go to Matthew chapter 28, and we want to talk about missions, it seems that most of the time we start with verse 19 because it 
so ably outlines for us what we are to accomplish. And I've appreciated these missionaries who are very clearly going to be church planting missionaries and understanding that that begins with making disciples, preaching the gospel, baptizing them, and then uh, staying and teaching them all the things that the Lord has commanded us. But at the end of that, it was curious to me that the Lord added, I am with you always. And I think sometimes we fail to understand what that is a response to. If you go back to verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Some, the Bible said, doubted. What were they doubting? Well, they certainly weren't doubting the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They had known now for some time. They had seen proofs in many ways. They knew this was the resurrected Christ. They weren't doubting his power. They weren't, they weren't doubting his grace, his goodness. They weren't doubting him. That word that is used for doubting means that they were wavering. They were fearful. What were they fearful of? Well, they knew that for some time the Lord had been preparing them for his departure. And there was a sense of finality in what they were doing as they gathered on this mountaintop. And I believe they had a sense that this was the parting time, that Jesus was leaving. And while they were very brave and courageous in the presence of the Lord, the thought of him leaving caused them, I believe, to think, can we do this? Can we continue this? For three years or longer now, they had traveled with him. They had heard his preaching. They had seen him supersede nature. They had seen him do the supernatural. Aren't you glad we have a supernatural religion, <laughs> a supernatural faith, a supernatural God? And, and they had been saved by his power, and they had been uh, delivered by his power and they had worked with him by his side and, and knew that when he was present they could do the work but, but if he left and they were left to themselves and Jesus says to them lo I am with you always I've never started a never gone to a foreign mission field, I have planted a church. And I can remember at the first of planting heritage, people came from our church in Pittsburgh and boy, they would come and stay for a week and help us knock doors and help us in that way. My mother and father would come from Ohio and uh, Kentucky and they would help us and watch the children. And But it's a funny thing that after a few weeks and after a month or so, people have to go on with their lives. And, and we would find ourselves that um, 
We had three children. My wife had to stay home and take care of the children, and I would find myself on the streets of Woodbridge by myself and uh, trying to do the best I could in knocking doors. I couldn't go into homes by myself often through the day because the husband wasn't there and so on and so on. And, And I can remember after weeks of doing that and feeling frustrated with it. And I I remember I have a lot of self-conversations. Do you? That's a good way of saying I talk to myself, all right? And I can remember coming back from a door and kind of having a pity party and saying to myself, man, I am out here by myself. I wonder if anybody knows I'm here. And you have those moments where the Holy Spirit just whispers into your heart, I know you're here. And in a very quiet moment, the Lord spoke and said, you've never knocked on a door by yourself. You've never written a sermon by yourself. I am with you. It's my pleasure to have worked for 20-some years with a, a missions board in one capacity or another. And there are so many victories and there are some heartbreaks. And one of the things that grieves me, and I I feel so uh, tender for the couples, of the couples that return in their first or second term, did you know that the great majority of that, of course there are legitimate reasons, but the great majority that underlie the, the experience that brings them home is a sense of loneliness and isolation. And I would just remind all of us that the Lord's promise to us is that when when we will go for him, we never go alone. He goes with us. And one of the sweetest, some of the sweetest moments you will ever experience on the mission field is when it is you and God and God communicates to you, and God leads you, and God reveals it to you. And sometimes, yes, you do feel alone until God speaks into your life. God says, I will go with you, and I will be there with you. I'd admonish the church to remember, however, that it is speaking into the lives of those missionaries in their loneliness that is so important for us to do as well. Turn with me, if you would, quickly to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And notice with me in verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now let me calm the preacher's heart. I... I understand I am dispensationally and theologically correct. 
And I am not suggesting by bringing this portion of Scripture to you that I am advocating for these missionaries to go out and drink poison, or do I think that the signed gifts are viable for today. But I think there is a great lesson for us in this passage. And the great lesson for us is that our God is able to protect us. Our God is able to care for us. And it doesn't matter where on this globe we are. If we stand in God's will, God's care, and God's protection is upon us. That doesn't mean that something bad may not happen to one of us. God does allow that. But it is God's allowance, not happenstance. For God is able to protect His people. The Apostle Paul shook a snake off when they thought that he was going to swell up and die. The Apostle Paul was taken outside the gates of Lystra and there stoned for his testimony for Christ. And when they left him for dead, and I think he was dead, he got back up. He survived so many things, not because he was a physically well-constituted man. He survived those things because he was in the will of God, in the place, doing what God wanted him to do. Over the years, I've been so distressed because I will see some parents who have a, a dream for their child, and the dream for their child is a wonderful career in the town where the parents live about a block away so that the parents can enjoy the grandchildren all the time. And I've actually seen them dissuade their children from being open to God's calling on their lives. And can I suggest to you, our children are safer in a mud hut, in a jungle, in the darkest nation on earth, in the will of God, than they are in suburbia, out of the will of God. Because our God is able to protect. God knows where He's sending us. God knows what He's using us for. God knows what we will meet. He knows how to protect His own. I know there's fears in every parent's heart. There's fears in grandparents' hearts. But our God is able. One of the books that I so enjoy reading, or have so enjoyed reading, is a little book called Evidence Not Seen. Maybe you've read it. A lady, Darlene Diebler Rose, her and her husband were servants of the Lord. And uh, the Japanese took Papua New Guinea and uh, they separated them, took them prisoner. Mr. Rose died in a work camp later. But Darlene Diebler Rose survived the war and, and had such a gracious testimony, wrote this wonderful book. And she tells one story, and, and I, I don't always tell the stories as the authors write them. I tell them how I think they should have been written. So if, if I'm a little bit off... This is my sermon. Stay out of it. <laughs> she was in this prison work camp and one of her prized possession was a piece of the Bible, a little New Testament. And when the American bombers would come over, they would bomb. They didn't know if this was a Japanese camp or a, a, a labor camp. They weren't sure. And often 
the places where our people were were bombed and and the Japanese didn't want to lose their laborers and so when the uh, uh, the warning was sounded the people had to run from the barracks or run from where they were to uh, the ditches and the cisterns where they could be protected from the bombs and you were going to be beaten if you didn't run to that place and protect yourself because they wanted your labor. When one of those warnings was sounded Darlene Diebler rose, ran to the ditch and got in the ditch and it, it dawned on her that she had left her Bible in, the, in that barracks and she could not bear a bomb hitting that barracks and losing her Bible. So she got up and ran back into the barracks and got her Bible and as she was running back to where she was supposed to be, she saw the bomb go into the place where she laid. You say, what a coincidence. And I say, what a wonderfully protecting God who can move us, who can, who, who can lead us, who can protect us. And no, I don't think the sign gifts are available today, but I think the God of the sign gifts is as mighty as he has ever been <laughs> and loves his people. Turn with me very quickly to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Notice with me in verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I would suggest to you that God promises to those who will go for him the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The promise that they were waiting for was the falling of the Holy Spirit and the, and the empowerment of that church to do the ministry of the Lord. And may I say to you by extension, every one of us, when we got saved, God enabled us. God gave us a gift. And with that gift, we are to honor the Lord. And what God calls us to do, not in our own strength and not by the strength of our own personality, but by the gift of His Holy Spirit, the enabling of His Holy Spirit, we are able to do what God calls us to do. I went to Bible college. When I went to Bible college, I was full of myself. Man, I thought I was God's gift to the world and God really was looking for like a second Billy Graham and I was it. Now you would like to think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I'm prideful. I got to Bible college and and I just needed my Bible courses and, and ministry courses. And I was in a course called homiletics. They were going to teach me how to write a sermon. Teach me how to write a sermon. <laughs> and 
And I remember at the end of that course, we were allotted seven minutes to preach to our classmates, and I preached a sermon, the 13 points of the high priesthood of Jesus in the book of Hebrews. Seven minutes. It was horrible. I didn't finish it to the joy of my classmates. My homiletics professor, Ron Walker, in a jesting spirit, found me the next day in the hallway, came up and slipped his arm around my shoulder, and he said, you know, Mike, there's a lot of ways to serve the Lord besides preaching. That's a confidence builder, man. I realized at that moment that it wasn't my enablement. It was what God was enabling me to do. You sit here in this room tonight and you say, I, I can't go to Papua New Guinea. I can't go to Ireland. I, I can't go to a place that I have to learn a language. You, you can if God has gifted you to do so. I was in school with a Texan who was a great man and a great builder of things. He gave me a job, and man, he was a solid man. Here was the deal. He said, he said, Mike, I'll give you a job and teach you how to work on a construction site if you will get me through English. And we worked together, and he got through English. The man got a grade of a D minus, and it was a gift. But God called him as a missionary to Mexico, and as a 43-year-old man, he learned to speak Spanish and spoke it fluently. Why? Because God enabled him. Sometimes we think that we have to do God's work from our strength, and what God wants us to understand is we've got to be endued with his power, endued with his ability, and God will make us able to do what he calls us to do. Every woman who stands at the side of that man will have the gift and help of the Holy Spirit to be enabled to be the partner in ministry that he needs. Every man that stands and looks at the daunting task of deputation and, and learning a culture and caring for his family and learning a language, God is able and will enable you because he will endue you with power, ability. Turn with me very quickly to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I love this. Look at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, and then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
You know one of the promises that the Lord makes to those who will go for him? He promises them peace. Peace. I don't want to overly dramatize this, but it's a big deal to go to a mission field. It's a big deal. It's moving away from everything you've known into something it'll take you years to even begin to understand. It's leaving everything that has formed security and go to a place where you are completely insecure. It's taking your children out of a place where they they are accepted and, and known and loved and taking them from grandparents and moving them to a place where you're concerned. I see in my mind that night when he's away preaching the gospel in a village and she is there with that child or those children and the fever comes. Andrew's little baby's had a fever all week. But the urgent care is a block down the street. But there is no urgent care in that village. There may not even be medicines. And yet when you go to that home when that mother should be frantic and that husband should be frantic, you know what you find? A peace that passes all understanding. Not because they don't love their children. Not because they're some super saint. But because God promised peace in difficult moments in trials. And God speaks peace to them. Sometimes we let the fear of the unknown keep us from answering the call of God. Keep us from being open to what God would have us to be. And can I remind you tonight that God promises peace and protection and his presence and his power. Well, let me look at one last one and I'll be done. Look at Acts chapter 1. You know where we're going. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You say, well, you already talked about Luke. Luke said power. I think there it was enabling. I think in Acts chapter 1 we can see a different picture. Look at verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, put yourself in the position of those men, and then I want you to say to yourself, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and witness Jesus? Uh, a few weeks ago, they murdered Jesus in Jerusalem. And you think I'm going to go and witness to the crowd that murdered him? And I believe what the Lord is saying is this. I'm going to give you influence in Jerusalem. Yes, you're going to go in to the very people that murdered him and preach Jesus to them. And I'm going to work and open their hearts and some of them are going to be saved. Hey, wait a minute. You think that we as converted Jews are going to go to Samaria? We hate them and they hate us. We don't understand them and they don't understand us. And God says, yes, 
I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you and you're going to walk into the city of Samaria and you're going to lead those half Jew, half pagan to the Lord. Well, wait a minute. We hate Gentiles. Do you mean we're going to go uh, to uh, the uttermost part of the earth? Yes, I'm going to give you influence with them as well through the power of the Holy Spirit. I look at Andrew. How is he going to walk into a Catholic nation with people that would rather be in a pub and people that think he is a cult? Well, he looks like a cult, doesn't he? <laughs> a cult leader. I look at Brother Perkins. Now, he's, you know, he's so macho looking and, and powerful looking. He'll just walk into those warriors in Papua New Guinea and they'll say, yeah, how is he going to... How is he going to change that island? How is this guy going to change the culture of the Irish? How are they going to walk into Australia and change that, that worldly group of people? Hey, here's one. How in the world does Brett Moody walk into MS-13 and get their hearts? Because God said, I'm going to give you influence. I'm going to give you power. And it's not going to be the strength of your personality or the strength of your body. It's going to be the influence of the Holy Spirit that changes and convicts and works in a man's heart. And you can have success. You see, we count ourselves out because... Well, we're not forceful people. <laughs> the Holy Spirit wants to do the work through us. We count ourselves out because, man, we're fearful of, of going to that place and facing those things and without realizing that God will go with us and God will protect us and God will enable us and God will give us peace for those difficult moments and He will be the influence that can build a church in a foreign place. There's really no excuse. There's really no problem that God did not anticipate and provide for. And with this I close. If God is stirring in your heart, God will enable you to go. And I loved what Brother LePage said in his last word. It's worth it. It's worth every long drive. It's worth every difficult meeting. It's worth every night where you spend your knees, stay on your knees, praying and asking God for an answer. It's worth it because the most satisfying life is the life that knows it is in the center of the will of God doing what God wants him to do, whether the world even ever knows his name. God will go with you. Let him stir your heart. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you tonight and we thank you. I don't know that I've ever been around a people more patient to listen I thank you for that. 
Lord, I pray in maybe some teenagers' hearts. Maybe there's some young couples here. They've wondered why there's discontent in their heart. Maybe, maybe that discontent is you stirring them. Maybe there are some college career men and women that you are stirring their heart, that there's something in your plan for their life that you want them to do. And God, they're fearful, like all of us would be fearful. But would you speak to them tonight that you've made some promises to those who will go for you? God, it doesn't have to be a young person. It might be a middle-aged couple, family. I don't care what the age is. God, you can use people if they will be surrendered to you. So in the quietness of this moment, would you remind them of your word? And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you just now, would you just continue to stir up their heart? Continue to call them and woo them. And God, reveal to them if it is your plan for them to change their plans and surrender to yours. I pray for people tonight that you would just speak to their hearts. Maybe you've moved on the hearts of some to increase what they've already decided to give. It's so urgent. Lord, would you work and would you accomplish your purposes in our lives tonight? Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.